The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to the Business Edge, sponsored by Inspire Nexus, giving street smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moose Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build their leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you've always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So, let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business. Today's program is the vicious cycle of innovation and trust. We all know that startup companies are more innovative than mature ones, but how does it relate to people? My guest, Dr. Yoram Solomon, founder of Large Scale Creativity, is a multi-talented renaissance man. He's an innovator, a creativity and innovation researcher, a coach, a consultant, and a trainer to large companies and their employees. He has spent many years studying the field of creativity and innovation that led to his Ph.D. dissertation and his book, From Startup to Maturity. So, in today's program, he will discuss, among other things, how does trust affect creativity and innovation? Who is responsible for creativity in the company? And by the way, is it management's fault for not accepting great ideas, or is it something else? Provocative questions. And now for the answers. Welcome, Yoram. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Marsha. It's a pleasure to being here. Well, you know, we hear a lot of talk about innovation, but is innovation the same as creativity, or are they different? Well, it's a great question. I would split the two. Creativity is an individual function. This is a function of an employee. An employee can be creative more or less. Innovation is an organizational function. Mm. Innovation is when the company produces new products, new services, processes, or business model. But there's also a relationship between them. Innovation at the corporate level, is a creative idea that's an individual function that got implemented through the organization. So there are two, uh, two ways to look at it, individual versus corporate plus creativity plus implementation equals innovation. 
Right. And, you know, um, I've done a little homework on um, innovation and did some readings. And uh, one of the quotes, I have several quotes that I may ask you about, but one of them is from uh, Theodore Levitt. And he said, creativity is thinking up new things. Innovation is doing new things. Do you agree with that? Uh, do you want, can you expand on that? No, I think it's perfect. It, it aligns with what I just described because having a creative idea is not enough. And I, I've seen many creative ideas. There is a piece of research that was published back in the, uh, I think it was the late 90s, that showed that to have one innovative, productive market release of a product, you have to have 3,000 ideas. So you have to have the ideas, the creativity part, but then you have to be able to implement it. That's the innovation part. So I'm 100% in agreement with that. And, um, you know, and I think that's a really good distinction. And I know as we get further into the program, we're going to talk more about the implementation and, you know, how to, how to develop a, a, an innovative uh, environment in your company. But I, I want to just uh, go back to, you know, my introduction and as I mentioned, you studied the field of creativity and innovation, which led to your Ph.D. dissertation and a book called From Startup to Maturity. Uh, what got you interested in this topic of innovation? What was it about it? Well, I'm, I'm innovative. I'm creative. I, I have nine patents to my name and a few uh, pending. And I was always fascinated with, with the process of innovation. I was fascinated with how ideas come about. One of the best books I ever read was, uh, I'm sure that the readers, that the listeners uh, know this, it's Clayton Christensen's The Innovator's Dilemma. And, and that's based on his Ph.D. research back in 92, uh, and it came in a book in uh, 97. And he says that startup companies are more innovative than mature companies, period. And he explains why, and he explains what the companies as entities are doing differently. But to me, it had to come back to the people. So when I started my research, the, the first question that I asked is, is it possible that more creative people go to startup companies than less creative people mm-hmm. go to mm-hmm. mature companies? I did not want to believe that. So my belief was the same people in the two different environments would have a different climate and they would just be more creative in startup companies than they would be in mature companies. That's what I decided to research. And what did you find out? Uh, That I was right, which is always good. But um, I found, so it's, it's interesting because I found that there are certain things that affect individual creativity in companies. I actually found that it happens at three different levels. Mm-hmm. So one level is the corporate level, the, the organizational level, the climate that the organization creates that allows its people to be more creative. But there is a second level, which is the team level. At mm-hmm. the team, there needs to be the dynamics that allow team members to have good debate without being afraid of it turning into a conflict and build on each other's ideas. That's really critical. But then I found that there is actually a third level, which is the individual level. There are certain things that each one of us can do to have more ideas, to have better ideas, higher quality and quantity. And um, so, 
you, you know, you talk about the, the three different levels. And actually, again, from part of my research, um, there was an article written by Linkage, and they talked about exactly what you're saying and, and the, the important role of leaders. So there's that personal innovation, which is increasing your, your capacity for creative thought. And you know, there's and and the second is the organization innovation, which is developing the systems and environment for creativity. And this this gets into the team. And then the third one was strategic innovation, generating and offering new values to customers. In other words, leading the market. Um, and and each one of these, the leader, whoever that leader is, whether it's a company, you know, a, uh, CEO or the team leader, or the individual manager, has a responsibility for creating th- that environment. Um, ha- have you done research on that, which is the role of the leader? Yes, and I would actually touch on the roles of two leaders, and, and you kind okay. of mentioned them. One of them is the team leader, and the team leader has several roles. One of them is to facilitate facilitate. The team leader doesn't have to be the most creative person on the team. Right. It, mm-hmm. He or she has to be the person who can facilitate a good discussion, has to be the person that can identify which team leaders are actually hurting the team dynamics and even removing them. <laughs> One of the most important parts of the team leader is to become a buffer between the team and the organization around it. See, one of the biggest things that organizations can do to hurt individual creativity is formalization. It's the bureaucracy. It's the politics that happen in organizations. Now, it's it's very easy to say we need to get rid of uh, politics in our organization, (laughs) but it's easier said than done. But if you have a good, strong team leader, that team leader can buffer, can protect the team from that bureaucracy. Now, the second, the second leader, you mentioned uh, the, the corporation. The corporation needs to know how to provide the right climate. Now, even that, you know, it sounds expensive, right? It, it sounds like we have to change all the processes. It's not really that difficult. It, it mm-hmm. really is very limited to very few things that you need to do differently. For example, what might, you know, little things, what little things can be done to, um, on the organization level to, to um, uh, create that right climate? Well, here's a great, uh, great example for one. Uh, and, and, you know, the first thing when, when I talk to organizations and I try to convince them that we need to change the climate in their organizations, the first uh, thought that comes to their mind is, oh, this is going to be expensive. This is going to cost a lot of money. And I tell them, no, here's an example of how you save money mm-hmm. while creating a better organization. And this is the, what we call the innovation funnel. You know, many organizations, they realize that they need uh, to increase the level of creativity and innovation. In fact, I, I think it was the Boston Consulting Group that ran a survey of uh, 3,000 CEOs 66% had innovation as one of the top three priorities. 23% had it as the top priority. Mm-hmm. So we know that this is important. They know this is important. So what they typically have in place is an innovation funnel. So all the creative people come up with creative ideas. These are the 3,000 ideas, and we will evaluate them. Well, mm-hmm. that team of evaluator is probably the most highly unqualified team 
to be able to evaluate those ideas. Why? They don't understand the technology like the people presenting. They Mm -hmm. don't know the market yet and the potential because they didn't have time to investigate, yet they need to screen through 3,000 of those in order to come up with one that's, that's successful. Well, how do you make it cheaper and better? You push it down to the team. Yes. Instead of the team coming up just with a raw idea, here is an idea, let's do this, you push it down to the team through a boundary agreement. You need to answer, you, the team, need to answer four questions, and maybe you can add more, maybe you can take some out. Do you offer something? Do you propose something that is fundamentally different? Mm-hmm. Is it something that brings value to a specific group of people? Who cares? And three, do you have a way to establish and maintain competitive advantage? And the last one, return on investment. What is the return on investment of your idea? First and foremost, to the customer. Second, to the company. Third, to investors, depending on what kind of company we are. If you push those questions down to the team and you don't have the dialogue before they come back with the answers, guess what? You have less work. You empowered mm-hmm. the team, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the team itself screens its own ideas. You know, this has been one of my uh, basic principles as long as I've been involved in uh, coaching and training within organizations, which is tap the brain power of your people, especially even though those on the front line, they have the day-to-day experience and the operational experience to know what's working, what's not, and have great ideas how to make it work better. So, you know, you're just reflecting my personal and professional belief about people. Uh, We have about just one minute before the break. Is there something else you would like to add to this? Well, I will add a teaser for the second segment, and that is it all boils down to one word and one word only, and that is trust. Aha, okay. Well, that's intriguing. So, um, we are going to take a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Joram Solomon. You're listening to The Business Edge, giving street smart advice on how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. And stay tuned because you we will hear Joram's answer why innovation boils down to trust. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? 
Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G L E N, at InspireNexus.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge, sponsored by Inspire Nexus. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My guest today is Dr. Yoram Solomon, founder of Large Scale Creativity, and I mentioned that he's a multi-talented renaissance man. He's an inventor, a creative and innovation researcher, a coach, a consultant, and trainer. And he's been uh, talking about what is innovation, the difference between innovation and creativity, and um, how does that happen within organizations, and, you know, why does it, and and his interest, and how he got interested in it. And at the end of the first segment, he threw a teaser out to us, and that was innovation. It all boils down to trust. So... Now that you've teased us, Yoram, tell us more. Why? Okay, <laughs> I'll go. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I read a lot of research before I started working on my PhD dissertation, and uh, what I found was that the organization needs to provide autonomy. The organization provides the motivation. One of the biggest motivators is autonomy, and that's what causes employees to become creative. Mm-hmm. So the, the natural instinct of uh, anyone taking this framework is to go to the organization and say, you need to provide autonomy. Well, it's not very easy to provide autonomy. I mean, I mean let's defend the organization for a second. Why would you provide autonomy? The, the autonomy to try things, to fail things, I don't know. And the, only, the first word that came to mind is, I will give you the autonomy you need to try things, to fail, if I trust you. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's assume for a second that there is that trust and the organization, the managers, they trust the employees, they give them the autonomy that they need. The employees, because of the autonomy, come up with creative ideas. Some of them needs to be implemented. Guess what? In order to implement them, you need the resources. The organization needs to apply the resources to implementing great ideas. Why would the organization apply the resources? only if it trusts the employees. So now we have implementation, we have the innovation. We have an innovative idea, something new, a product, a service, a process, a business model, and it gets deployed, it got implemented. The next thing that happens, 
results. We see the results. There was another uh, study that I read that showed that if you take established companies, not startup companies, established companies, the innovative ones will have three times the market share, six times the revenue, three times the profitability compared to the average. So imagine the company delivering those results. What would that do to trust? That would close the circle. Now we have trust. And now this trust allows us to, one, provide autonomy, two, provide resources to implement the ideas that came out of the autonomy. So it's a circle between trust and innovation. And, um, I mean... Can you give some examples of where this is actually happening in companies? I mean, one of the ones that I think of, only because there's been so much uh, talk and and movies about Steve Jobs and Apple. Now, I don't know if you've studied Apple or there are other companies out there where this is actually happening. It's not research. It's not, you know, uh, a a white paper. It is happening. Uh, What companies are out there doing this? Well, I think one of the companies that come to mind, uh, I, by the way, I don't use Apple much as an example. Okay. <laughs> Apple, in my, in my opinion, Apple was really a lot around the innovation from a very small group of people, and at times okay. it was from just one person. Uh, right. But you take a company like 3M, you take uh-huh. a company like Corning, and they allow their employees to try things, to try and fail. Uh, I would even take it away from um, from companies, from the company uh, uh, framework, and take it into other entities. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I probably didn't mention, I was elected in the last election cycle to the Plano Independent School District Board, and I'm on their board, and I can see where you get creative kids, where you get creative teachers, is where they get this kind of autonomy. One of our teachers in Plano, he's, um, he, he was great. He actually uh, spoke in TED. He has a TED Talk about letting kids try, fail, learn from it, try yes. again. So yes. I see that in companies. I see that in other organizations as well, and it works. Uh, yes, and just in a, a personal aside, uh, two of my three children went through the Plano school system and then uh, high school, and um, very innovative uh, b- programs for them where they learned uh, about careers, particularly. Um, so I um, I commend you for being on the school board. Um, Thank you. So uh, so you know. You talked about, you've given some examples of companies, 3M, Corning. It could be school systems. It could be hospitals. It could be doctor's offices. It could be the local grocery, you know, uh, mom and pop grocery store. It doesn't have to be these big corporations. But the important thing is, how do you create an environment for creativity, innovation? Not just the big companies, but what are some of the principles, techniques, tools that that will allow this this to bubble up to be implemented okay and to have the resources so they can get the results so again this uh, typically when i get asked by companies uh, how do we implement innovation i can see in their eyes that they're afraid of the price tag how much is this going to cost and i always have to start with it's going to cost you nothing in fact you're going to save Because a lot of companies, mainly established and larger companies, what they do is they spend a lot of resources in creating a space. I I just had that conversation 
last week with someone who said, where do we need to create a space? And it's not a physical space. You don't need to create a physical space. The autonomy is just a state of mind. You have to ask yourself, how do I respond when an employee tries something and fails? And that's the biggest question. And if your reaction when an employee tries something and fails is, this is not good for your career, I remember in some of the companies that I worked, if, if you fail, you knew that this can ruin your career. If you are successful, then, you know, maybe you're going to be on the top 20% of the employees, but that's it. There's not a lot more than that. So autonomy is a state of mind. It's changing attitude. Resources, you touched on resources, and that's, that's a very interesting point because research before mine showed that the more resources you allocate, the more creative people are. In my research, I found the absolute opposite. I really? asked people, mm. they mm. felt that they had less resources in startup companies compared to when they worked in mature companies, and they felt more creative. So I asked them, how come? What is the relationship there? And somebody made me realize that this is actually the relationship between creativity and the amount of resources that you get looks like an upside-down U-shaped curve. You have to have a minimum amount of resources to, do, to be able to do anything, but beyond a certain level, the more resources you have, the less you need to think. The less resources you have, the more creative you have to be. And I just have to give you one example because you're about to ask, uh, can you give me an example? <laughs> right. Even Go right ahead. <laughs> so, you know, and this example goes to the early 1900s, actually even the late 1800s. Uh, a person by the name of uh, Langley, Samuel Langley, was chartered by the U.S. government to build the first man-carrying flying machine or in other words, airplane. Now, the reason you don't remember the name Langley other than the CIA headquarters, but you don't remember Langley associated with a flying machine, he had $50,000 from the U.S. government, which back in the late 1800s was a lot of money. It was two bicycle makers on a $1,000 budget in motivation that mm-hmm. built the first flying machine. So it, resources, actually, it's an upside-down U-shaped curve. You can have too many resources. So imagine the reaction when I talk to a company and I say, starve them for resources. Save money on resources. Then the one last thing that you do need to make sure is uh, organizations, the larger they are, you know, public companies uh, right. subject to Sarbanes-Oxley and, and all, they're very careful. They're, they have very strong processes and procedures and bureaucracy. You need to separate the group that you want creative from mm-hmm. those processes. And that goes back to the team leader. Uh, so it's not that, that you're going to abolish the processes. You just separate that small team from them. So in everything that I told you here, there is nothing that costs money. And in fact, you save money by simply creating the attitude towards the people who need to come up with creative ideas. Okay. I'm going to be a little devil's advocate here, I, I, um, which is um, everything you say I agree with. Uh, I've experienced that, um, and and there'll be people out there who will say you're crazy. Um, we, you know, how do you convince the skeptics on this? Because it makes total sense to me, 
But a lot of things make total sense to me that does not make sense to uh, somebody else. So when you get someone skeptical, how do you turn them around? Well, so, so first of all, when somebody says, I'm, I'm crazy, that means that at least I'm doing something right. It's when they say, we agree with you, that I, I wonder, <laughs> really? So did, did I make sense? But when you go to an organization, the first thing, and, and I just had that conversation with an organization that I'm helping now, uh, and, and I told them, don't try and change everything in one day. Let's mm-hmm. try small. Let, let's not try and change how our, you know, this is an organization with 3,000 employees. Let's not change how 3,000 employees work. Let's take a small team. Let's take one team and apply it and see how this works. Because one of the nice things is when it works in one place, you have mm-hmm. all the other little teams all around it saying, what are they doing that's yes. so successful? We want to do the same. So don't change everything. Change it with respect to one team, one team at a time. It's like a bowling alley. You know, knock the first pin. It will knock the next two, next three, and next four. You know, uh, that's true. Of uh, uh, Now you're getting into change management. It, uh, principles and one is um, uh, find a group or someone as a champion of it uh, get them away from all the bureaucracy give them whatever they need and maybe less resources as you're talking about it and let them tinker let them do what they and bring out that creativity so you know you're talking about change management here um, rather than trying to change the whole organization. And I would think that, and we have about a, a couple minutes left, that if that, that one group um, starts bringing about create, creative ideas or innovative products, how does it, does it start spreading throughout the whole organization? Well, that would vary between different organizations. There are going to be those where the... Uh, fragmentation or segmentation is so hard that others would not even find about it. But you know what? People talk. Employees talk. They go to the dining room and they tell others about their experiences and others would adopt those experiences whether they're allowed to or not. You know, after the break, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Well, you know, you're talking about the informal network. There's the formal network uh, within an organization, which is the org chart, and, and then there's the informal. And I agree with you. More gets done within the, in the informal than the formal. Well, it is time for a break. Um, I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moose Coach, and my guest is Yoram Solomon. You're listening to The Business Edge, giving street smart advice on how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. Stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. 
Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at SmartMovesCoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge, sponsored by Inspire Nexus. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My guest today is Dr. Yoram Solomon, founder of Large Scale Creativity, and he's been talking about the vicious cycle of innovation and trust. And at the end of the second segment, again, another teaser, which is a story he wanted to tell. So, Yoram, go for it. Okay. You know, I, I'm not sure if I ever mentioned that to you, but I was the instigator of uh, USB 3 or 3.0 and now 3.1. And I'm saying instigator because it wasn't really an invention. It was let's push something that is 10 or 20 times faster than before. Now, my organization, I was working at Texas Instruments at the time, was not supportive. I did not get resources. I did not get People allocated did not get funding. I went to engineers one by one, and I told them, look, I need your help on this project. Here is what the project is. Here is how important it is. We have a chance to make a difference in the connectivity market, but you can get in trouble because this is not sponsored. And if you get in trouble, I can't do anything about it. (laughs) What I did not realize at the time was that that was a value proposition. People just wanted to work on it. So, you know, we talked right before the break about how do you get this through to disseminate through the organization. People talk. People want to be involved in exciting projects. And what's going to happen is when one group is working on something really interesting, really fun, others will go through the trouble, will take the risk and start joining them simply because it's interesting. Well, I, that, and uh, that is a great, one of the great tips about how to um, implement or bring innovation into, your, into a company. Do you have a couple more what I call the takeaways, some, some little tidbits that the listener can start doing right now? Yes, and in fact, it's just start looking at this not as something, innovation is not something that you need to just have a check mark next to. You can't just say we're doing innovation because we took three offices and turned them into an innovation lab. 
it's a change of attitude. It's not a physical space. It's an emotional space. The, the rules are relatively simple. Of course, the, the best advice I can give is go to largescalecreativity.com and find more about it. But, and, and I, by the way, I have a lot of free material there uh, for people. But don't just treat this as something that's going to be expensive. Don't treat innovation as something that you just put a check mark next to. And I think what you're saying is, too, that whole issue of trust. Trust your people. Um, uh, and believe in your people and, and realize that people at different levels of the organization, all of them are creative. They have ideas. The important thing is to tap them, and I also think to give them that environment in which they can bring out those ideas. Um, anything else that you'd like to add uh, uh, for our listeners in terms of just quick, uh, quick idea? Well, uh, you know, it, it goes back, yes, trust is important, but you cannot expect management to trust. Uh, you, you have to build that trust. You have to earn that trust. The employees have to earn their trust. You can't just throw it over the fence at management and say, well, well if you don't trust me, you're not going to get great ideas. Did you do something to earn that trust? Is, and that's putting it at the employees. Right. And, you know, I, uh, and I have seen that in, in many of my coaching uh, clients uh, where it is. It's a mutual thing. If employees trust their manager and the manager trusts their employees, great things happen. So, Yoram, I want to thank you so much for um, being on the show, talking about a, a topic that I can hear and see and know your passion about. And uh, I'm sure that some listeners would, would like to know how to contact you um, and anything else that you would like to tell them about large-scale creativity. Yes, let, let me use the next 90 seconds or so. You know, okay. I was always involved with innovation, and typically it was in startups. But when I worked for larger companies, I was always frustrated with why was it so hard to innovate in a large company? And this is why in 2008, when I had to choose a topic for my PhD dissertation, I decided to explore why are people more creative in startup companies than they are in mature companies. Two years later, and 20 case studies later, I had the answer. But instead of putting, you know, like most people would put the uh, research aside, I decided to put the research to work. And really, it was only a few months ago, it was in June of last year, that I decided to start large-scale creativity. What's unique about it is that our focus is established companies and not startups. Our goal is to coach the established companies how to out-innovate startups. So when you compare the established companies, I mentioned that before, that, that innovative ones get three times market share, six times revenue, three times profitability compared to the average one. So there is a lot of value there. What I found was that you need to work at three levels. The corporate level, the climate supportive for employee creativity, the team level that assures the right team dynamics allow productive debate, which is a key word, and the individual level. And I believe that great ideas are not accidental. I believe that people can put themselves in situations where they can be more creative. We offer a variety of services, but they really boil down to three. Assessments of creativity levels and uh, climate, intervention on how to correct those, and ideation. We actually take companies through the process of how to come up with new ideas. And uh, you asked how they can reach us simply at www.largescalecreativity.com. 
Well, and thank you so much, Yoram. Again, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I learned a lot. I believe that the uh, listeners learned a lot. And good luck and much success in 2016. Thank you so much, Marsha. The same to you. Thank you. It's time for Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. Are you thinking outside the box? Listeners, how would you answer these questions? What are your business's greatest hits? What games are played here? Who would win this year's MVP award in your company? I've used these thought-provoking questions during team building, strategic planning, as well as leadership programs to get people thinking in new directions. Here are three shake-them-up questions that have generated great discussions and creative solutions. First, what drives our business customers crazy and what makes them exceedingly happy? This goes beyond the cliche of being customer-focused. It energizes people to talk about what they really know about the customer's needs and expectations. A follow-up question could be, how can we get rid of the things that get our best customers upset, and what are the things that we can do to bring smiles to their faces? The answer could lead to new products and services that will benefit the customer and the company as well. Second, What is the most likely reason someone wants to join our company and why someone would leave it? This probes deeper into the issues about what's attractive and also what's unattractive about the company and its culture. It can set off fireworks about hiring and firing policies, about good and bad managers, about wages and benefits, and a whole slew of other talent management issues as employees' motivation and and engagement. So don't ask this question unless you want to hear the good, the not-so-good, and the really bad. And two, you are willing to do something about it. Three, If someone bursts into your meeting and shouts, I got good news and bad news, what do you think those two pieces of news might be? This can open a discussion of how things are really going. I found many are under the illusion that if we don't talk about it, it'll get better or hopefully go away. But generally, it doesn't. It gets worse. So it's better to find out, for example, that certain defects are being ignored or that deadlines will not be met. By knowing that you can deal with it, you can... Stop production until the defect is corrected rather than ship it out and hope the customer won't notice. Or you can talk with the customer about extending the deadline and now rather than beg forgiveness later. So here's your smart moves tip. All companies need fresh ways to approach problems and opportunities or else they will stagnate and perhaps die. Set aside time at your next board, staff, team meeting, or retreat to think outside the box by asking shake em up questions. It may generate some controversy, but that's okay. It's better to get an issue out in the open where it can be addressed rather than hidden where it can lead to petty disagreements, employee disengagement, and worse of all, customer dissatisfaction. Listeners, would you like to get your people to think outside the box and in new directions? Find out about team building, strategic planning, and leadership programs. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach. Making sure you're on the right track 
and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and business is Surviving the Entrepreneurial Journey. What does it take to have an entrepreneurial mindset and how to overcome some of the mental roadblocks and challenges as an uh, entrepreneur faces? As a serial entrepreneur, Raj Daniels has been actively involved in five different verticals. He will be sharing his personal journey through some of his various endeavors and how he uses his past experience to now teach and mentor your entrepreneurs and business students. He will also share why and how he has become known as a connector in the startup ecosystem and his systematic way of creating a network of people that brings value to each other. Tune in Friday, January 15th at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern to the Business Edge on the Business Channel. I'll end with my favorite quote. There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who make it happen, those who let it happen, those who asked what happened. Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. As a Smart Moves coach, let me show you how. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or 972-380-9181. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 